Frantically, I looked around, trying to make some sense of what was happening. I realized we were at the mouth of an old river gorge, in a rocky area where the jungle trench emptied out into a wide-open cove. The cove was vast and mostly beach, a big bowl with towering sides carved steeply into the grassy plateau above. Once in the cove, there was no place to hide or take shelter, just an open delta until it met the ocean. It was a long way to run back to the beaches, where you could climb out, an impossible distance to drag a helpless body. I had to make a choice then, whether or not to leave this man and make a run for it. I didn't know him, held no connection to him, other than that we were both humans. And suddenly, that was enough for me. I couldn't live with myself or the wondering if I had walked away then. Besides, the sound of gunfire and of automobiles meant there must be more humans. That was not something I wanted to run from. We needed help, and I needed answers. So I heaved the man up from underneath his armpits and dragged him backwards, closer to a pile of boulders that we could presumably hide behind. As gently as I could, which wasn't gentle at all, I picked the man's legs up by his ankles and swung his body round until he was tucked up tight against the rock. The commotion spurred on new agony for the man, waking him painfully. Oh, geez, sorry, man. Try to be quiet, though, okay? All that ruckus is getting closer, coming this way, I think. He again reached out in a panic towards the spear, but his head lulled to one side and he listed back off into unconsciousness. The spear and hatchet were only a few feet away where I had dropped them, so I stood up and snatched at them quickly. I paused for a moment, looking down the trench into its jungle, listening closely. The sound of the automobiles was definitely getting closer. I could hear the labored whine of their engines through the dense forest. People on foot burst through the jungle's undergrowth running towards me. I crouched down low, back to the boulders, startled by their sudden appearance. Ari, Ari, are you keeping up, little man?' shouted out a big, dark-skinned man, blazing the way for a smaller, brown-skinned boy, hot on his heels. They were both running, running for their lives, it seemed. "'Right behind you, dark cow,' answered the small boy. Two women, young women like myself but better dressed with shoes and clothing, also bounded through the bushes, weaving their own route and surpassing the two boys. Their little group swept past us without notice. One of the women, the one with her long red hair tied back, yelled out harshly, Will the both of you shut up and just run? Yes, great idea, everyone. Less talking, more running. Whose idea was this anyway? This has got to be the dumbest thing we've done yet, said the other woman, one side of her black head of hair shaved bald. Shut up and run, shouted the angry redhead again. Straight away, I knew this was my chance. I leapt out from behind our rocks, jumping and flailing about, waving my hatchet and spear in the air for attention. Wait, come back! One of the women, the one with half a shaved head, glanced fearfully over her shoulder mid-run, but as soon as she spotted me, she stumbled to a stop and gave me a good look. Please, we need help. There's a half-dead guy over here. He's been attacked by something and can't even walk, but I think we could all carry him together if we tried. I was so relieved when they all stopped and began to follow the younger woman back to me. They seemed skittish, suspicious of us, but more scared about what was down that gorge, down the way they had come running from. We don't have time for whatever this is, snarled the angry redhead. She has the hatchet and my spear, retorted the other woman. Then grab them and let's go. I suddenly felt very threatened, with the four of them honing in on me. The dark man in particular was very dangerous looking, big and burly, arms busting with muscles. 
He was edging up close to me, stealthily as if maybe I wasn't going to notice a man of his size. I flourished my hatchet in his direction and he took a step back. Whoa, take it easy, he said in a calm, reassuring tone. We just want to ask you a few questions, okay? Gah, dear God, we don't have time for questions. Just knock her out and take the stuff, shrieked the redhead who had stayed the farthest away, eyeing the jungle warily. Darkow, is it him? The pale-skinned, black-haired woman asked. Yep, it's him. I realized then that the big man had been edging in closer, simply trying to get a good look at the unconscious man. Do you know this man, I asked? Yeah, he's the thieving psychopath that stole all our stuff. That's our hatchet and my spear, retorted the black-haired woman. He's torn up real bad. Looks like one of the slashers must have got to him, elaborated the big man. The smaller boy looked around fearfully, stepping in closer to the one they called our cow. In a high-pitched voice, he squeaked out, Oh, no, not slashers, not again. We need to get out of here. Shh, just keep your voice down, Ari. We're going to make it. Don't worry, just don't panic. Calling out from the back, the redhead quipped, For once, I agree with the kid. Why are we not running? Unable to stand this back and forth any longer, I interrupted, Can someone please explain to me what is happening? You must be new, the pale woman said condescendingly. Yes, I think so, maybe. What do you mean? We will explain everything later, the big man reassured. Right now, you need to come with us. There was urgency and genuine earnestness in his eyes. But what about him, I implored, gesturing back to the cripple on the ground. I don't think he's going to make it. Yeah, he's a goner for sure, lady. Nobody survives a slasher attack, the young boy quipped. Good, the edgy one said harshly. He gets what he deserves. Now hand over our stuff or else. My grip flexed around my weapons and my teeth said angrily in response to her tone. I didn't like this pale-skinned, edgy woman nor her punk attitude and half-shaved head. She was not helping the situation. Don't threaten me, I snarled, summoning a surprising amount of my own aggression. The sound of an automobile crashing and men shouting at each other could be heard from down the gorge closer than ever. Listen, listen to me carefully, Darkow inserted, trying to calm the situation and break through my confusion. Very, very bad men are headed this way. They are packing some big, and I mean big, guns. That's not even the scariest part. We need to get out of here now. Okay, fine. Let's just take him with us. That's all I'm asking. The red-haired one burst into frustration. Then, Oh my god, I can't handle this. I'm out of here. Hope y'all survived. Nice knowing you while it lasted. And she took off sprinting down the beachside, the little boy close behind. The black-haired one was eyeing my hatchet greedily. No, we aren't taking him with us. And you have exactly four seconds to hand over our stuff before Dark Cow is going to knock your lights out. Just, what? Wait, no, give me a moment to think. Dark Cow, you ready? Mm-hmm. With nowhere to go again, backed against the boulders, I try to think through whether or not to hand over my only defenses. One. Dark Howe took a step closer to me. I swiveled towards him, preparing for an assault, no clear thought in mind, just sudden fear. Two. Jeeps, brimming with well-armored men, burst through the dense forest jungle, speeding past us on the overgrown dirt roads, brandishing machine guns and heavy artillery in the air. They paid us no mind, barely sparing us a glance. Distracted as I was by the commotion, I snapped my attention back to Darkow, but he was merely the diversion. It was the woman at my other side who acted first, slugging me hard across the jaw. She knocked me senseless against a large boulder, where I struck my head again and crumbled to the ground alongside the wounded man. I either dropped the hatchet and spear then, or they arranged for my fingers, I can't be sure. I half expected to be beaten or worse, but there were more pressing matters at hand. 
Men were leaping from the flatbeds of their jeeps, slamming down boxes and barrels as barricades to shelter behind, hoisting massive guns to the tops of reinforcements, aiming them down the mouth of the ravine. The mouth of the ravine we were all standing in. Great, just great. We can't run that way anymore. They've got us hemmed in. But look, over there, do you see that big tree, Dark Cow? Maybe we can use that to climb out of here. Yeah, good. Go now. I'm right behind you, Mercedes. Mercedes leapt back across the trench to the other side, headed for the big tree, taking the spear and hatchet with her. I sat in the dirt, looking about with wide eyes, dazzled by all the commotion. A silence fell among the excited men as a tall man with a booming voice spoke from his standing position inside the open compartment of a jeep's front seat. In each arm he wielded a rifle, and draped across his chest were sleeves of ammo, large knives strapped at his belt. Everyone, listen up. We've done this once, we've done this a thousand times. Nobody move, nobody touch that trigger until I say so. He's dead, said Darkow harshly. My head swiveled over to Darkow. He was crouching over the half-dead guy, two fingers at his neck. What? I was too frazzled to understand. He doesn't have a pulse. He is dead. Hold your fire, the big man on the jeep blasted out, and hold this barricade. The male cannot make it back to the swamp to get here. As the men echoed a chorus of yes sir, staring down their sights in our direction, Dark House suddenly began to snap his fingers in my face. Hey, hey, snap out of it. Are you coming with us or not? Um, I don't know, was my absent-minded reply as I looked past Dark House, trying to peer around him at what was happening among the men at the jeeps. Everyone and everything became very still when an immense roar howled from the forest and a large timber crashed mightily. Another engine, still within the forest, sputtered to life, the whine of its engine revving amidst sporadic gunfire. Be ready, aiming his own rifle at the mouth of the trench. What is it? I asked Darkow, who was still at my side, hands on my shoulders. I was no longer threatened by him. There was too much kindness in his eyes and touch. He looked carefully into my face then, studying my every expression. Okay, yeah, nobody else is dying today. You're coming with me, Darkow suddenly decided. With great ease, his strong hands came around my waist, lifted me from the ground, and slung me over his shoulder like a wee rag doll. Hold on tight, little one. Darkow bolted to the other side of the ravine, weaving his way through the large river rocks, me jostling at his shoulder and clinging to his back to stay upright. Horrified, I stared at the dead body we were leaving behind. At least he is safely tucked in, I thought. At least I was able to do that. As I mused about how I wasn't able to help him, Dark Howe had reached the other side, setting me down on my backside. Just then, the last jeep launched through the trees of the forest, landing in the delta in a swerving recovery. The jeep wasted no time, sweeping through and skidding to a halt behind the barricade. Steady your aim, don't miss a single shot, the big man on the jeep roared. Dark Howe was shaking me. Come on, snap out of it, I can't do this alone. We need to climb out of here, can you do that? From the top of the ridge, having already climbed her way up, called down Mercedes. Dark cow, forget about the girl. Come on, you're running out of time. A series of monstrous bellows vented from behind the tree line, and the ground trembled as it stomped forward. Finally, I began to understand that we were in danger and needed to run. I stirred myself, carefully standing up, unsure if it was my knees or the ground that was shaking, as I took a feeble step towards the tree. No, wait, get down, it's too late. Dark cow, Mercedes yelled fearfully. Go, Mercedes, head back to camp, we'll meet you there. Dark Howe grabbed me by the wrist, pulling me down and behind a large boulder, pinching me under his arm for shelter in an unbreakable grip. I wriggled against him, but quieted and stilled as another bellow let loose, 
quaking through my body, followed by slow, methodical stomps. The trees crackled, snapped, and gave way as an immense beast emerged from the jungle. I let out an involuntary whimper. Darkow clamped a quick hand over my mouth. Quiet, don't make a sound. The beast stood two or three stories tall, its head and snout as large as the jeep's, teeth and talons as long as a human. A dazzling fin flared along its spine, sunlight glinting across it as it reared up on its thick, bulging hind legs to dominate the landscape. Its gaze was fixated on a semicircle of jeeps and men that blocked its path, a deep-throated growl rumbling from its chest. I could feel Darkhow trembling. All was still, perfectly quiet. A word, a name, echoed in my head in disbelief. A Spinosaurus. This has been the second episode, The Colossus of Rise, The Will to Survive, an epic sci-fi adventure. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this second show. This has been produced by Legend and Lark Productions, narrated by Samantha Thorson, adapted for audio by J.J. Wang, music by Cody Martin, Rhythm Scott, and Third Age, sound effects by Film Masters and Soundstripe, illustrations by James Duffy, And a special thanks to Julian Johnson Mortimer for his visual effects media and to everyone who has bothered to listen to this show to the end. Thank you.